That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. It was a weekend of miracles for Chelsea Football Club as the Blues struggled to win a shock 3-0 defeat at Sheffield United, yet still managed to stay in third place as Leicester City and Manchester United suffered their own shock results as well. Another giant uh, piece of news in the uh, in the newsreel coming in today. Uh, the reason we held off until uh, recording on Monday was uh, Manchester City's Champions League ban has officially been uh, overturned. Uh, they will pay a $10 million fine or 10 million euro fine, uh, but they will be in the Champions League next season after previously suffering a ban for uh, allocating oh, just, funds. Just 10 million. It was supposed to be 30 million. That's that's yeah. just, slap on the wrist. Two millions, nothing for them. We're going to talk about this uh, a little bit more coming up on the Ghost Call podcast. I'm Alex here with Javier. Andrew is out tonight. Uh, Javier, and that was a very disappointing weekend for you. I know you guys didn't make the intro, but we're going to talk about Arsenal's uh, eventful two-one loss to Tottenham as well. It, it was for, a mid-table clash. There's not too much to talk about. Okay, you're right. Yeah, let's skip. We'll, we'll skip that. We'll skip the North yeah, London yeah. derby. Yeah. Right. Okay, but. Let's start off. The only bit of Manchester City that we're going to talk about today is that Champions League ban being lifted. We should probably just get that out of the way, like right from the jump. Um, the court for arbitration for sport, like I just mentioned, overturned the ban and pretty much said that the punishment for what Manchester City did was for not cooperating with financial fair play, like for not not cooperating with FIFA over uh, how they were. Uh, like mistreating financial fair play. They completely overturned the accusations that they were misallocating funds in a fraudulent way. So, like, the actual uh, big charges who, of the... Who, who of did it, City pay? Who did City pay? How many... Who, what officials got paid off? How, how many... How many uh, How many parties in Abu Dhabi did they get to have? I need to know. Like... How many child sex slaves? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, just, just... Hell, we don't have any sponsors. Let's just say it. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean... Just ridiculous. At, I don't know. At, the, I same, think, I at think... the same time, though, the whole financial fair play uh, you know, set of rules has been inconsistent at best. And this decision follow, uh, after uh, the what it looked like there were going to be charges brought on PSG and... Uh, I believe uh, Inter and some other Italian clubs have been working uh, or co- cooperating with uh, FIFA over financial fair play. AC Milan are like have been cooperating for the last three years with FIFA over their accounts. Um, all it really is is that when you spend a certain amount more per year than your revenue, you're supposed to be mandated to go into cooperation with FIFA for. Uh, why are you spending this much? What are you going to do to turn this around and make this a more balanced business? And City were at every single opportunity. They were just like, no, go fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> we're going to do what we want. We're going to spend what we want. And there's nothing you can do about it. And this ruling pretty much proves that there is nothing they can do about it. <laughs> so, because court for arbitration for sport overturned that. Financial fair play, you know? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, 
expect to see some of the floodgates open for the big, big clubs and for, frankly, the game to become even more polarized between the rich super clubs and the smaller clubs that are really suffering from the economic downturn from COVID-19. So it's a whole confluence of events that I don't really enjoy seeing, but, you know, I... Think in the end, it's uh, I shut the kinda, fuck up. Yes, you, do. See, you know you're. I can you know your see both going to go spend a shitload more money now. No, but I can see. Well, no, I'm saying in terms of just the uh, city and uh, financial fair play debate and like what it means. Some people might think that I'm saying it's a good thing city got off. Like I, I don't necessarily think it's a good thing they got off because I mean. If you read that Der Spiegel article that uncovered and pr- provided all of the references about it, it's. It's pretty clear there's some shady shit going on there that maybe other clubs in the world are doing it, but not as blatantly as City. But, you know, in the end, it was looked at by an independent council, an independent judge that just cleared Chelsea uh, back. It's about six months ago. So I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to say I'm cool with the core for arbitration for sport and financial fair play needs to be looked at again and, uh, you know, fixed because right now it's a joke. Uh, so City are back in the Champions League next year. No more uh, doom and gloom uh, for the off season. You'll probably see them start to break the bank again pretty soon. Now that there's no, uh, it, it, or the, the the future is set. Players know that they're going to be coming to the Champions League team. Hide your cool Hide your Koulibaly's. Exactly, Koulibaly. Pomicanos. Uh, maybe bring Jerome Boateng back. Konate. Konate from. Uh Marby Leipzig. Okay. Yeah. So uh, City, in the meantime, went and got a 5-0 win at uh, Brighton. Uh, Raheem Sterling had a hat-trick with a crazy hat-trick third goal that bounced off his head when he had no idea what what was happening. Um, So, uh, yeah, they keep on churning out results. Um, And then we'll just uh, jump to the relegation battle, which probably should, because the the two parts of the table that are interesting at this point, with three games to go now, are... The relegation table, which like a bunch of those teams in the bottom uh, five got wins, uh, all of them except Norwich, obviously. And the top four battle uh, with Manchester United, Chelsea and and Leicester all having uh, disappointing results this weekend. So let's start off with the uh, did you get to watch that West Ham Norwich game? West Ham won four nil. Mikhail Antonio scored all four goals to start off Saturday. I wasn't willing to wake up at seven thirty in the morning on Saturday. I watched part of the second half. but it was already 3-0 when I started watching, so... Yeah, I mean, that that result relegated uh, Norwich mathematically. It's official. They're going down. It was an absolute thumping. Uh, Antonio was a threat throughout. Uh, Crazy he, that uh, we, Pookie, those first five games, he had, what, six, seven goals, and we thought, hey, this guy could could he, could be a contender for the Golden Boot, and I think he ended the season with nine goals, ten goals. Uh, he, he didn't really take off yeah, after the, that. the injuries just kind of killed his momentum. He had a chance, but he just couldn't stay healthy. He had two different. I, I can like, see. I can see injuries. Norwich still doing really well in the championship next year and, and sure. coming straight back up because they still have a good squad. Sure. Hell, my uh, my my anxious ass is worried about them just deciding to turn it on because they've got nothing to lose tomorrow against us. So, <laughs> uh, like, I still respect them that much. They went and beat City earlier this year when City were pretty healthy and playing pretty well, and went to Carrow Road and 
got done 3-2, I think it was, but they were up 3-1 at one point. So they have a talented team in there somewhere. They just couldn't put it together for a 38-game season. Let's move on to another uh, relegation-affecting uh, result. Watford got a uh, their second win in a row, I believe, against Newcastle, winning 2-1 with uh, two penalties from Troy Deeney. <laughs> Seems to be the only way Deeney's going to be contributing to, the, uh, to them, but you know they've gotten themselves, I think, three points above relegation now. Them and West Ham are... Uh, three points above Bournemouth and uh, four points above Aston Villa in 19th. Uh, So all four of those teams uh, won this week and kind of needed to win. And uh, a lot is going to be riding on this Watford West Ham game coming up on Friday, which we'll uh, get to in a sec to decide which team is going to get sort of could be dragged back down towards Bournemouth and Aston Villa. And even though they are sitting there three points, uh, like just above those two. So, um, yeah, big for Watford, big for West Ham for them to get uh, wins against teams uh, around their level or below. Meanwhile, yeah, we'll skip over Liverpool-Burnley. They got a 1-1 draw with Burnley, which kind of kind of killed their chances of getting to the 100-point mark this season. They have tough games, but they could still get there. I think they can still get to 101. Yeah, um, 101's their limit, and it also broke their um, 24-game winning streak at home. Oh yeah, was, that, uh, I mean that's pretty is, significant. Which is a record. Yeah, that is a record now of 20, 24 straight wins. That's still very impressive. But they were so you saw Robertson was like cursing up a storm to the referees at the end of the game. He was uh he was not happy with uh, him and Klopp were both very upset with the refereeing during that game. And I guess they thought some calls should have went their way. But honestly, I thought Burnley played super well for a team that has nothing to play for. Um, they easily could have won that game and. I was really impressed with how they dealt with Liverpool. That's a good sign for them and uh, Villa in these last two games at Anfield with uh, your Arsenal coming up on Wednesday and my Chelsea the week after. It's a good sign, hopefully. Um, let's move on to Sheffield and Chelsea. Ugh. So I, I just I did told like you a, so, Alex. I just did I a told deep you so. dive. You didn't tell me anything, Javier. We didn't do a preview for this game, so you, nothing's on no, record. No, 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 but I texted you before the game. I said, you're going to lose. I said, I saw the lineups. I saw you had Barkley, Georgine Trash, and uh, who else was in the Mount in the midfield, and I just thought, that's that's a weak, shitty midfield, and they were starting Sander Burge, and they were on, they've been on a little bit of a run, and I don't know. I, I I just didn't. Also, I saw that you weren't starting Olivia Giroud, and I feel like if you rested him midweek, I know he can't play three games in a row these days. But if you just rested him midweek, started him this rested game, rested him midweek when we played Crystal Palace and he scored three minutes into the game. Yeah, but I mean, no, you could have brought him on as a sub. Uh, listen, he. I, I think that I thought he could have learned from the from the Watford game where you uh, when you're getting a team that was scores most of their goals from set pieces and headers and stuff that you you know you, you need that big Olivier in there and I don't know I feel like you guys not a single him goal was a set piece I will add uh, fair enough fair but it, it was I hate to use the tired legs excuse and actually I won't I think the main the main portion of the blame needs to go on uh, Frank he was. He, he, he looked naive, to be honest. He, he's done pretty well since the restart in terms of if his starting formation and setup has not been working out, making the changes necessary to kind of fix the problem. But he just seemed to panic at halftime and switched to uh, switch from the 4-3-3 we've been playing since the, the restart to a 3-4-3, uh, bringing on Alonso and taking off Mount and taking off Christensen for Rudiger, who came on and had just an absolute shit show of a game and 
couldn't even okay, clear the ball. Okay, Keppo was trash. Goal. Probably should have saved two of no, those Kepo, goals. Kepo, dude, there's nothing you could put. Lev Yashin, the ghost of Lev Yashin, the greatest keeper of all time. Keppo is absolute trash behind this Alex. defense right now, and it would not matter at all. Like it just, it would not matter. He he saves a very good uh, shot that gets deflected, and no one ever, or everyone's there ball watching. So David McGoldrick gets to tap in the rebound. The second one is a bullet header from uh, Willian and Reese James getting burned on the right wing. There's there's examples of just terrible performances all over the pitch, and whether that's down to fatigue or uh, or down to purely the tactical setup, which I thought was just to get it out there, we were really trying to force things like down the wings. Understandably so, our wide players and uh, and Reese James uh, as a sort of like deeper crossing option on the right have been really good. But Sheffield with that three five two, they just overloaded the the wings at all points when they we tried to get it out there uh, from passing from deep in our own half to even when we were like having them push back deep in their own uh, defensive third, they just overload the wings and allow two of their midfielders to come in as makeshift center backs and crowd the box. And we had no answer for it, which is, you know, it's on Frank and it's on the midfielders. Jorginho, I'm his biggest fan, but he had the worst game I've ever seen him play in a Chelsea shirt. Well, and a part of me thinks out of form. That was the first part game of me thinks it's because it's his first start five, since five January. Months, right? Yeah. It's his first start since, since January. And the best we've seen Jorginho under Frank Lampard has been when he's been paired with Kovacic and they have this sort of like sixth sense, like mental connection that they just know to stay near each other and play little one twos off of each other. So without Kovacic, who's coming back from an injury and didn't get off the bench from the, for this game, uh, Jorginho looked completely exposed. And just one more thing I want to say about Chelsea before we move on to plenty of other results from this weekend is that it's all good when the team is playing well as as a whole and players like Ross Barkley and Willian are working hard doing the right things contributing to goals but the reason that those kinds of players I'm okay with them leaving is that when things are going bad and let's let's face it Willian is obviously the most senior attacking player in that side 31 years old he has been playing well may just be tired but he has been playing well Willian and Ross Barkley who's 26 now he's not a kid he's a fully he's a full-grown professional who's been playing since like 2012 or 13 when the team's going bad neither of those players have the quality or or, or bottle to like drag the team along like a player with pure class a real class like Eden Hazard has done in the past for us and you know there's been times where he hasn't as well but it's it's it, we really needed those senior players to like step up and have good performances. Jorginho included, Rudiger included. In defense when he came of William, and they all fell apart. They all fell that, apart. There was that one season when you guys finished in like twelfth or what a tenth, and William was by far your best player. And during that entire season, right, and he scored like a third or three quarters of his goals off free kicks, which is impressive. I will give him that. But like, you need to play the game too, and you need to contribute in the games when things are going bad. Uh, just as much as when they're going well and you're scoring the fourth goal against Cardiff, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I expected more, but at the same time, I was ready for us to draw 2-2 and be frustrated. We we scored at least two goals in our last eight, le- eight league games. So for us to get shut out like that was very disappointing. But you, you have to give Sheffield credit. They had like 
24% possession and they scored three times. Probably could have scored four or five. Like, it really could have been much worse. It could have been like that Bournemouth game two years ago all over again. So, all right. Uh, Despite that, and I'm just going to skip the Wolves and uh, City results. Despite that, Chelsea somehow remain in third place after Leicester City went to Bournemouth, took the lead when it going up 1-0, and then completely fell apart in the second half, lost 4-1 at super-struggling Bournemouth, who desperately needed to win themselves to keep pace with the West Ham's and the, and the Watford's of the league. And uh, Soyanshu comes in with a, uh, a kick on Callum Wilson, uh, right after the second Listen, goal for I'd Bournemouth. be pretty mad if Solanke scored on me too, okay? I mean... Yeah. <laughs> what about Dominic Solanke? Look at Chelsea activa- brace, activating right? sleeper cell Dominic Solanke from the academy. Has not really scored at all, either in his Liverpool time. Those were his first two game- goals in the Premier League. Right. He comes in and, you know, just dominates the game well even when he was not when he hadn't gotten his two goals in the second half when the game was more open he was playing well like he usually does like getting in on the build-up and dropping deep and making decent decisions the only thing missing for him had been the goals so he gets two in this game and it turns the game on its head and so Yangshu, uh gets himself sent off after the uh the the go-ahead goal the 2-1 goal that Solanke scored his first and uh from there Bournemouth are just allowed to sort of like pick Leicester off on the counter and then win and get 3-1 and eventually 4-1. And, um, you know, it doesn't get easier for Bournemouth, but they desperately needed that win against Leicester. Otherwise, they were going to be relegated for sure. So um, huge result for them, but a absolutely crippling result for Leicester. Leicester only needed to draw. And I think their goal difference is like 10 better than ours. And they would have been in third um, unless United had won. But, you know. All they needed to do was draw, and they would go ahead of us. So they could, they completely shat the bed there, and it only really gets tougher. They they have Sheffield United, who obviously we just discussed, coming off a couple of huge wins against Chelsea and Wolves. They have Tottenham away, and then they have Manchester United at home to finish the season. How much of a chance do you give them of finishing in top four, if any? Um, I think that because they play United in that last game, it's going to be really hard. Um, I think Chelsea are almost assuredly going to get a win against Norwich and I think you guys are going to push above them and I think just having that game Sheffield are also they're Sheffield are I think only six points I mean they still have a, an outside shot at top four I mean I know that they're not them and Wolves both getting wins and everybody else drawing or losing kind of puts them both as outside shots and I know a lot of results have to go their way um but they could both still make top four. They're both definitely still vying for that sixth spot. Um, and they're going to be playing their hearts out. Um, so uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I think Leicester's still a good side, but they, they just haven't looked that good since the restart. And I think losing Sayonichu for three games is that's, I mean, that's Add brutal. that to the injuries they already have. We already covered Pereira being out. Yeah, no Chilwell, uh, no Pereira, Chilwell, no Sayonichu. That's their entire back line right with, there. With Chilwell going out? Uh, Rogers has tried this like three at the back with Evans in the middle of it, and then uh, Christian Fuchs at left center back, who is old as old as dirt now, like 34, 35. <laughs> yeah, you don't want him even in a back three. Uh, and then I, I guess who was the other center back? Soyanchu and at right center back. Now he's out. Like you said, that with the Chilwell and Pereira injuries, 
it's going to be tough for them, especially like you could maybe see them. Uh, also, James know, Madison was, some, was was hurt and didn't play in this he, game. I he's don't know been, if he's still hurt. He's yeah. been hurt for a good chunk of these games. And when they've tried to bring him back in like uh, against Everton, when they uh, went two nil down to Everton a few weeks ago and almost got back into it, they brought him on for the second half and looked like like the Leicester of old with Vardy making runs through those little slip balls for Madison, but he re-injured himself and hasn't really been back since. So, yeah, I, I feel bad for Leicester. Um, they they really didn't capitalize on the the opportunities that they had before uh, uh, before the the season got stopped. They were in bad form even before that, since uh, January or February, and they didn't have excuses like injuries and. Uh, things like that they just didn't perform at the the same level as the first half of the season so they they probably should have put like enough distance between themselves and everyone else so that this couldn't have even happened but now i i think their odds on to to finish maybe even below wolves you know there there's four points between them and wolves right now and uh wolves have a slightly easier schedule than uh than uh and then lester that's for sure uh so we'll hit on wolves real quick there uh, and just that not just the uh, the Champions League battle places, but just below that. I mean, you've got Chelsea on 60 points in third, Leicester and United in fourth and fifth on uh, 59 points. And then below them, there's another little group of uh, Wolves in sixth on 55, four points below the uh, top four challengers, and uh, Sheffield at 54 in seventh place. And then Tottenham and Arsenal slightly behind them on 52 and 50. So... Uh, yeah, there's a there's a neat little pack just below the Champions League challengers of teams trying to get Europa League at least. I'm sure Wolves would have liked getting Champions League instead, but I'm sure they'll settle for Europa League and have another go at it again next year. Javier, I know I've asked you this question before, and I feel like I just need to ask it like at a different point in time. But do you want Arsenal to push as much as possible and try to get Europa League for next season, or do you I mean, want? I think I think our only avenue at this point is going to be beating Manchester City and then beating whatever team, United or Chelsea in the FA Cup final. Getting Europa League that way? Yeah, I think that's going to be our only way. And I wouldn't mind that because that would mean we get a trophy. You're like um, two or you're, you're, you're four, four points. points. You're five points off uh, yeah. sixth place it's, with it's, uh, I think it's kinda, three games we had to, to go. Yeah, we had to get that win against Tottenham. I think we can talk about it a little bit, but it's not, I mean, it's not that big a deal. I think these are both teams that are not going to get anything this year. Well, we have um, to talk about Javier. I know we joked. Ah. I know we joked at the beginning of the pod that it's a mid-table clash. No one cares about it. But it's the North London Derby. Yeah. And uh, Arsenal took a 1-0 lead. Uh <laughs> Alexander Lacazette, frankly, with a throwback uh, hit on that. We don't see it that often from him, but he absolutely leathered that into the top left corner to put Arsenal 1-0 up in the uh, 16th minute. Back-to-back away games after not scoring in an away game in a year and a half. Right. Good on him. Um, but it was completely ruined by the uh, side Kolasinac mistake in the 19th minute, just a couple mistake. minutes after the Arsenal went ahead. You could tell when Song that happened. ties it up everybody's heads just went down kind of like not, not again, again. Like, we do this every <laughs> fucking time you could i could i could i just put my head down and just felt so shitty i just said like how and like we'd already to be honest at the beginning of that game david louise had already misplaced a pass uh martinez had already misplaced a pass and mustafi had already misplaced a pass all three of them had already made mistakes that um kane got in one-on-one and martinez made a really good save where 
Kane probably should have scored. Um, and Son like got on a ball and just took it wide, and he could have like th- we made so many hor- horrendous mistakes in those first twenty minutes that it was just a matter of time before they got a goal from it. And yeah, I mean it, the way that we controlled the game after that, we absolutely should have gotten two or three goals. Um, you know, we we got a bunch of chances. We completely they couldn't get the ball off of us. We were the we, second no, half I mean, we like were, you had like one or two clear good chances. And then Tottenham well, obviously smash and grabbed it at the end. Like I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, I think, but I'm, I think I'm not the saying, biggest like, thing was that in possession we actually looked really good. Like even after that horrible start and that nervous start, Tottenham couldn't really press us, and our game plan was working. They weren't trying to press you. They were literally just waiting for yeah, it was, no, one they, of they, your they, defenders they, to make a mistake, like Kalasinac did. And uh, I mean, if they weren't going to make a mistake, they were just going to hoof it up for Son or Kane to try and run onto and force a mistake. Much like what you said about Ross Barkley and um, Willian, I think when you see players like Mustafi, like David Luiz, like Kalasinic, when everything's going well and we're playing well, it can kind of hide how bad they are or these error-prone things that they have in them. Um, but when things are going badly, you saw Mustafi as soon as we just missed a couple of chances and... Tottenham started getting a little bit of a surge. He he went reverted back to his old self. Started doing crazy tackles, um, you know, uh, diving over Kane, uh, throwing himself to the ground, trying to make tackles. It was atrocious to watch, and I just just reminded me how bad he really was and how why we can't keep him for next year, even which, though he's been playing well. Which makes me think we we really need to start valuing consistency, especially in a thirty eight game season format we need to start valuing consistency way more because we can pick out so many players like the one that springs to mind who did well this weekend but is very hot and cold is Diogo Jota like there are these players that can turn it on and be almost world class for four or five games in a row maybe in the middle of the season maybe the beginning of the season maybe at the end it's the timing is kind of random but it's really rare to find like the players that put in at least like a seven or an eight out of 10 performance every single game week. And so like guys like Willian and, and, and Ross Barkley, and I guess you can add Mustafi to that list now because he has put a good, a good run of games together before this uh, and before the mistake for the, the, the winner, the missing marking. Like, uh, yeah, I know. I I feel like we just need to start valuing players that have consistently played and, and, and stayed healthy and maintained a high level. And I don't know if we, we do that enough. Maybe we did for uh, James Milner or someone. I, I also think Arteta got, got it wrong in this game. Um, I, I don't know where, why Saka didn't start. Um, as soon as he came on, we were able to pin Tottenham back and, you know, he looked really good. Nico Pepe had been out for a couple of weeks, you know, with his son's birth and he just was, he was atrocious this game. He didn't do anything. And, you know, Saka had been playing amazingly on that right wing. He'd, he'd made it his own. And I think I was pretty confused when he didn't start. Um, and to be fair, not Saka, only that, Saka, I didn't think Saka, I know you're saying you guys played better when he came on, but I didn't think he individually was. Well, he could have played left great. wing back, which I think would have been if we had just played Tierney at left center back, which he's played there before. Yeah. He played there for, for Celtic. He's played center back for Celtic. He's looked good in that position. And Decently in a big tall. game like this, like 6-1. Um, yeah, in a big game like this, like you, you I don't know, I, I absolutely hate Sed Kolasinic. I've never liked him. I've never thought he was a good player. Um, defensively, he's always been a liability. It, it's just attacking-wise, sometimes he's looked good. Um, but 
at left center back, he's not attacking. So uh, what's the point of playing him there? I don't know. It was, um, I think Arteta got it wrong. I think we could have played Tierney at left center back and then Saka at left wing back where he's looked very good this season. And I think that our team would have looked a lot better in, in that shape, but it's not that important. I mean, it was a big win for Tottenham. I think Tottenham uh, really, really needed that to get their spirits up and they have out, an outside shot. Um, at that sixth place, which I, you know, I'm sure they want it. I'm sure it's something for them. They can get that sixth place trophy that they've been craving. Um, but I, I really don't think either Arsenal or Tottenham deserve to get in the top six this season. Um, I think Sheffield or Wolves deserve that spot more than us. And I'm pretty sure based on form that one of those two are going to finish there. So, or maybe even Leicester, like you said, but, um, yeah, no, I'm, uh, disappointed with the result, but to be honest, it wasn't much of a surprise. I remember us talking about, we didn't have a podcast before the game, but you know, we were saying, oh, based on form, Arsenal should win this easily, right? And then I was like, yeah, but it's Mourinho, and like Arsenal always do this shit where you think they should the win the game. I was thinking the worst possible result was a, a draw, probably, like a nil-nil no, or a 1-1. But you, but you know that like every time that we should win a game, we've just fucked it up in, in the last couple of years, and there's been just so many disappointing results like this, and yeah, just looking forward to, to next season and, and getting rid of a lot of this dead weight that we have. I mean, Messi Dozil, nowhere in sight. Um, Gwent Duzzi and him have been frozen out the last five games, haven't even been on the bench. And I don't think it's a fitness issue. So I think I don't think either one of those players might ever play for Arsenal again. And that would be a great thing. I, I won't miss either one of them. I think we could get a lot of money for Gwent Duzzi and getting Ozil off our books would be, I think, very, very beneficial. So seeing a lot of overlapping themes between uh, Chelsea and Arsenal since uh, Arteta came in. Young manager, does well for stretches, and then gets out sort of out-tacticed or or outclassed in certain other games. Um, But even Frank said this week, kind of similarly to Arteta, what he's done with Ozil and uh, Guendouzi, Frank said that he learned a lot about certain players this this, uh, week, and he'll... He'll remember it when the summer comes. So it's kind of ominous for certain players in Chelsea's lineup. And uh, uh, it's pretty certain that Ozil and Guendouzi are going to be leaving Arsenal at the end of this season, too. So um, let's hit on Aston Villa real quick, just uh, keeping pace as well, along with the Bournemouths and Watfords and West Ham's by winning 2-0 against Crystal Palace, a controversial uh, VAR call uh, that overturned a Crystal Palace goal in the first half. They said it was a handball, but it hit off the top of uh, Sacco's shoulder and probably should have stood. And then uh, Trezeguet from Villa goes on to score the begin or the end of the first half, and then midway through the second half uh, to get Villa some much needed points coming into these last three games. I didn't get to watch this one. I don't know if you did either. It was, uh, I was. I did. I did. Uh, I mean, Villa Villa got pretty lucky to get that goal chalked off, but they did get really unlucky last week with uh, United. So. Um, and they got unlucky as shit. Wasn't it them who scored the goal against Sheffield United that the goal line decision? System, oh yeah, just that was give. them as well. That was them as well. So I'm kind of glad that they did have a decision go their way. And um, yeah, I mean, much needed points for them. I, I would love to see them stay up. I don't think they will, but um, this this at least gives them some hope. They've got they've got basically they have to beat Everton, which right now looks like it's possible. Right. Um, and then they, and then they have a game against Arsenal, and I th- I think their last game is like Sheffield or something like that. So. I, I, I don't know how uh, how how much their chances are that they're gonna, but hey, look, we we've been giving out results. We don't have that much to play for. Maybe by that time we'll be even out of the race for top six. So maybe they'll fancy themselves against us. And yeah, I don't know. They I could see them winning their last two games if they really really pull together. Um, 
But uh, just briefly, I want to give a shout out to to Chris Wilder, manager of Sheffield United. For me, he's he's manager of the season. I, I know Jurgen Klopp's done done I already amazing. Already said it, Danny. I said it at midseason. Ah, but there, now, I, and I'm telling you, I'm telling all of you listeners he, right now, if we do end of season awards and Andrew tries to give it to Jurgen Klopp, I I just won't stand for it. Chris Wilder, he's done what Nuno Espirito Santo did last season with Wolves, with a ton of investment in international players, with one big signing, pretty much one big signing, the Sanderberg signing in January. But they started the season extremely well and frankly didn't even need Sanderberg. <laughs> it's just it's a, it's a great addition for them. But John Lundstrom, he was getting just as much out of a player like him in midfield. And a bunch of players that going into this season, everyone agreed. They have a cute system. It's different. It'll be tough to play against, but eventually they'll be found out. And they've never been found out. They've adjusted their own tactics to keep their own identity while sort of molding them to their opponent. And they've been excellent all season. Uh, Yeah. Chris Wilder has to be manager of the season. Sorry. Sorry to swagger Jack you. I was just like... After watching his team just dismantle Chelsea and like so cons- like <laughs> so convincingly, I'm just like, all right, give it to him. That was amazing. Um, do you want? We, I mean, we have to hit on the uh, Manchester United Southampton result that happened earlier today. The second miracle that Chelsea received after that four-one drubbing of Leicester that Bournemouth somehow conjured. Uh, Southampton went up uh, 1-0 in the 12th minute, Stuart Armstrong scoring, and then a burst, a two-goal burst in the 20 and 23rd minute from Rashford and Martial put United ahead until uh, Michael Obafemi came in off the bench and scored off a uh, corner kick in the 96th minute with six minutes of extra time. For a team that has, quote-unquote, nothing to play for, same thing with Burnley, um, I'm really impressed by Southampton. I mean, they looked so good against Newcastle a, a too. red hot uh, Manchester United side. And honestly, for the first 15 minutes, they dominated Manchester United. I think they had 60% possession in the first 15 minutes and they deserved their goal. Um, that Rashford goal came completely against the run of play and, and they kind of United did their usual blitz where they got those two goals and Southampton fell apart a little bit. It looked like United could have gotten a third or a fourth and, and um, McCarthy had to make a couple of good saves. But yeah, no, I was I was super impressed that then in the second half Southampton again were able to, you know, get on the ball a lot, get more chances and bring on some substitutes and and yeah, you could see the second goal coming. I mean, it it came really late, but it was just very very impressive um from Southampton and and Hasenhadl who um after they lost 9-0 at Leicester, you were thinking, you know, that he could get fired. You were thinking that, you know, this Southampton team could possibly get relegated, but I don't know. I've, I've been so impressed with them since the restart. And yeah, I just think he's been an excellent manager. And if they invest in him and give him some more players, um, I could see them doing really well next season. Yeah, for deci- Manchester United. The we, decision we, to take we, off Fernandez and Pogba. I know Pogba yeah. wasn't having the best of games. He was heavily was involved in the first Malay. goal. But had, uh, I mean, the first goal for United and the first goal that they conceded when he gave it away. Um, so there was good and bad things with him. So you can kind of understand maybe taking Pogba off for McTominay or Fred, but then taking off Bruno Fernandez. I don't know. I just think at this point, like I know United have Europa League after the Premier League season ends and they have FA Cup semifinal coming up and stuff like that, but you're only up 2-1. Southampton are a good side who have uh, who just beat City about a week or two ago. Like 
you're, you're the chance to go third. You should not be taking off your most consistent uh, goal provider and scorer, Bruno Fernandez. It's it was, I I, I mean, it's not just because I had him captain in fantasy that did have a part to play in it, and me being like, why are they taking him off? Uh, because another big chunk of me was like, yes, they're taking him off. Like this means Southampton are still in it, and Chelsea could still, you know, nick third here, which they did. So. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little torn on that one, but I think from a, from a objective standpoint, it seemed like a dumb decision to take off both Pogba and Bruno Fernandes. We're very clearly the solid link from the midfield to that red hot forward line. So they, uh, they dropped points, I think for the first time since the restart, they'd been winning every game before that and scoring goals for fun. So uh, a little bit of a uh, reality check for United uh, against a decent Southampton side, which uh, keeps them in fifth place, Chelsea in third place, and uh, Leicester in fourth. So let's hit on a couple of the games coming up uh, this midweek. Uh, well, not going to go too into it. Uh, but Chelsea are playing Norwich on Tuesday. Probably by the time that you're uh, you're you, you've, you're listening to this, it's already been played. Obviously, Norwich are bottom. Chelsea are coming off a terrible loss, and everyone would expect a team as good as Chelsea to, you know, bounce back and get an easy win. I'm hoping for the same thing and optimistic. But there's always the freedom that relegation brings for a team in the last like three games, where like I don't know, one VAR yeah, rele- decision. Yeah, re- relegated Newcastle that uh, that season that Tottenham were supposed to win the league and exactly they won four zero. <laughs> it was like five one. I think it was five yeah, no, one at Newcastle. It was crazy how well they played, even though they they were already relegated. And yeah, no, it's uh, who knows how Norwich are going to play. I mean, even his own manager said that with the freedom of of no no longer that pressure that maybe his players will go out and play well. So yeah. I let me let me put it this way: If Chelsea even drop points, if we even draw with Norwich, you're, we're not finishing in the top four because the two games after that are Liverpool away and Wolves at home, and uh, all momentum will have been lost. So it's it's absolutely a must-win game. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. Uh, a couple other games going on on Wednesday at one p.m. There's Burnley, Wolves, uh, Manchester City, Bournemouth. Huge one for Bournemouth. Don't know if they're uh, going to be able to keep up that pace though. Um, and Newcastle Tottenham all at 1 p.m. on Wednesday before Arsenal host Liverpool Wednesday 3.15. So uh, how optimistic are we going into this? Or, or is this just a, a training uh, match, a warm-up match for the uh, City I'm game not, on the weekend? Yeah, I'm This is not, a good warm-up I, I, match for that. It's a good it team. Is, the only is. other team I, you would I'm say not, is uh, equal to I'm City. I'm not very opti- optimistic. I mean, if we'd beaten Leicester and Tottenham like we should have, then I'd be going into this game with a little bit more fury. But um, I don't I don't really see us getting in the top six this year. So I don't know how much vigor the players are going to be going. And I'm sure we're going to be having an eye on that city game as like the one last avenue to silverware and to getting Europa League. I think it's going to be easier to beat Manchester City and then beat either Chelsea or United in a final than it is going to be to get a bunch of results, get win out for the rest of the season. And then we need other results to go away, too. So I I, I don't really see it. Do but, you uh, play David Luiz in this game, knowing that he'll get himself sent off and ineligible for the Man City game on Sunday or Saturday? Or uh, do you just ooh, save him that, for City to get strategy. sent off for be, a penalty be, against be, City? Be, be a pretty good strategy. <laughs> maybe, get, maybe get him sent off against Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that's what I'm suggesting. Play yeah, him in the Liverpool yeah. game, let him get sent Listen, off. I'm not, I mean, I'm sure the game will be fun. I bet there will be goals. Um, I'm sure both. I don't think either side will keep a clean sheet. Liverpool haven't been uh, you know, amazing defensively since the restart and yeah i don't know i'm uh i think it'll be a fun ghost goal 
Liverpool. Um, Liverpool are probably going to win. I'm sure they're still going to try to get to their 100 points. And we haven't really had a good result against them in a while. So um, I think you've managed draws at home recently. Yeah, but I, I guess that, say, that doesn't I'm, matter. I'm going to say 2-2. I'm going to say 2-2. Behind closed say two, door two. games. Yeah, I'm going to say maybe 2-2. That'd be a big two, result. Two. I yeah, actually I don't want fun. that. I want you guys to lose like 2-0 or 3-0 so that they'll be nice and, you know, you know, they'll be lulled to sleep for when Chelsea play them the, the next week. No, so. no. <laughs> uh, we yeah, get decent results so we can have a little bit of spirit going into the City game. Yeah, that's what I'll Sure. Say. So that's the uh, the, the primetime game uh, on Wednesday uh, evening. Uh, Thursday, there's a couple of very good-looking games. Everton-Aston Villa, which we just discussed, is now kind of a possibility for Villa to go to Everton and get some points. Uh, I could see it. I could see them going and beating Everton. Um, Everton have not been looking good. They've got a bunch of injuries. Ancelotti's playing Theo Walcott at right wing back. I, I you think know, he's it, tinkering. I think he's trying to figure out like he knows they're mid-table. They're right. 11th. They're not going anywhere. They're, he's, he's trying just to figure trying out who to, figure out who to, who to sell this summer where. and who to keep. Right. Uh, um, so that, that opens the door for Villa. Um they're not playing that well the, either. The big game, the big game of this fixture is definitely this Leicester Leicester Sheffield game. Yeah, this is I, this is a bigger game than the Arsenal Liverpool game. Obviously, not in terms of the stature of the clubs involved, but in terms of their league places, it's uh, obviously fourth place Leicester and seventh place uh, Sheffield, only separated by five points. Uh, Sheffield are straight off of uh, wins to. Uh, Wolves, who are just above them in, in sixth place, and Chelsea, who are just above Leicester in third place. So, I, I don't think home or away really matters, even if even if this is at Leicester. I really don't think that matters, and I don't I don't think that mattered for Sheffield's wins against Chelsea and and Wolves either. So, I give them all the chance in the world of getting at least a draw in this. And frankly, I think. Leicester have to be absolutely shitting themselves at the prospect of such a well-drilled and and set-up team uh, like Sheffield, because Leicester themselves, like in their essence, they are a decent passing team, but they're better off with Vardy running the channels on the counterattack and taking advantage of spaces in the or the half spaces in behind. And Sheffield just don't allow that. They, you know, that's too simple for them. You have to come up with a plan B or even a plan C to even have a hope of scoring twice against them. So I'm I'm, I'm leaning towards like a, a Sheffield win in this, but I think I'd probably say like 1 1, like at most. Like maybe say, maybe 2 2. Uh, I'm going to say 1 0 Sheffield. I'm calling a Sheffield win here. So Leicester are out of it? Uh, probably. Probably. Good, good, Javier. I just want to hear it. From, I want to hear you say it. <laughs> but yeah, that's the one I'm going to be uh, keeping an eye on. Uh, sadly, that's one. Of, that's the one p.m. game on Thursday, uh, and the uh, or one of the one p.m. games on Thursday, along with that Villa Everton game. Then at three fifteen, you've got a uh, couple of games: Crystal Palace hosting Manchester United and Southampton hosting Brighton. The Palace United game. Uh, Palace in the form chart have absolutely uh, dropped off since they basically like claimed their safety. But after the Chelsea uh, performance and the, I think you can say the the, the Villa performance to a degree. Listen, you know, listen, they're one White, bad decision away. White is the worst goalkeeper in the league. United are going to score like three or four goals on them. I don't think so. You really think Guaita is the worst goalkeeper okay, in the it's league? It's between Ke- it's between Kepa and Guaita. No, no, I know me, this but... is your troll. We're not gonna we're not gonna indulge you. No, in this. it's not a troll. Who's I mean, better it absolutely than? Absolutely, is a troll. Who's Kepa better it's, than? Tell me. I mean, take he's your pick. He's not better than Tim Ryan. Krul. Tim Krul is better than Matt Ryan. He's better than he's ben not better Foster. than Matt Ryan. 
Okay, better he's better than, than Ben those, Foster. He's better than the Fabianski. Flappy he's Hansky. definitely not better than Fabianski. You've got to stop. Dude, he's, Fabianski was like the goalie of the season last year. Better than Pickford. Year. He's definitely not better than fucking he's Pickford. absolutely better than Pickford. I mean, I'm like, I, I'm sad that I'm even indulging you in this right now. You guys should go and buy Pickford. I, I just went over how our defense has just completely left him exposed for the vast majority of this season. Well, so. Frank wants to sell Kepa, so that should tell you something. We don't know that for sure because I doubt anyone will be will be willing to buy Kepa. So yeah, loan him, loan him to Sevilla. Well, we're gonna test Marina L- Granovskaya's L- 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 uh, selling Lopetegui abilities. wants him. Yeah, sure, take him. <laughs> you can have him. Um, all right. Uh, what else do we have to go? Uh, Palace United. Th- this is a still a game that you know I'm, I'm obviously favoring United. It's probably about the same caliber as the Villa away game United played uh, last midweek, uh, except. You know, Palace have nothing to play for, and Villa and have been had everything to play for, yeah. but just have been terrible. Uh, Palace have just been terrible it's recently. It's just going to be an easy win for United, to be honest. So okay, all right. I mean, I, yeah, I think so too. But uh, yeah, you, you you never know. Maybe they the the, the slip up this uh, week knocks their confidence. That was a pretty uh, aggressive way to drop points to Southampton after so many weeks of playing well. You never know how it might might uh, shake their confidence. Um, and then uh, finally, probably, uh, the, well, the biggest game definitely at the bottom of the table is uh, going to be on Friday to close the game week. West Ham hosting Watford Friday at 3 p.m. Uh, this is a loser leaves town match. Up, you hammers! Up, you hammers! What? Yeah, fuck Watford. It's a, so it's you, a London you, derby. Oh, the hammers. Okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, up with I'd the be hammers. fine with a draw. I both hate of them Watford. Kind of I being... want Watford to get relegated. They don't have any cojones. I just don't like Watford. I want them to get relegated, and I want West Ham to win this and be safe. So, how about this? I need these I teams the to draw to Pearson, keep to so. keep Bournemouth and, and let Bournemouth go down. Because yeah. I'm tired yeah. of Chelsea getting killed by Bournemouth every year. So, uh, bye bye Eddie Howe. <laughs> bye bye Bournemouth. I'm gonna see a, a, a draw would probably benefit them both. Yeah, probably. Amount, but so. Bournemouth still have to play at Manchester City. So you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, they're still. They're still falling behind another. It's going to be two game weeks of points that they have to make up in the last two game weeks. So uh, it's a tough situation for Bournemouth and Villa. Uh, But yeah, I mean, that game, I'm expecting it, West Ham Watford, to be high scoring. Uh, Both teams are coming off, I think, two straight wins. And West Ham have a win against Chelsea in the last couple of weeks. And Mikel Antonio is in great form. Uh, So. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. I'm going to be watching it as closely as I would that Liverpool-Arsenal uh, game on Wednesday. So, great weekend of games, Javier. Uh, thank you for jumping on and recording with me. You can follow us on social media, at ASMOS92, at JavierRev9, uh, at Andrew Bassar for Andrew's uh, socials, and of course, at Pod on Instagram and Twitter for the podcast socials. And uh, until next time... Bye.